Hello, good evening, everyone. Okay. I hope everyone can hear me. Okay, good. I think I, I can hear myself too. <laughs> wow, it's nice to be in church again on a Wednesday Bible study. I have the privilege standing for you to bring the word of grace to you. And also, I want to use this opportunity to thank our pastor in the house, the senior pastor and the wife and all the pastorate. I'm humbled and I see it as a privilege. Thank you very much. Okay, without wasting much of the time, can we just have that uh, Isaiah chapter 54? Or 50 rather, okay. Can we say that together? Can we please rise on our feet? The Lord has given of the Lord. I should know that to speak a word in season to him is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ears to hear as the Lord. The Lord has given my ears. I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. I pray the Lord will give us that ear that we hear his word accurately and that we will be able to divide the word of truth in Jesus' name. Okay, I want to talk about a topic which I love so much. It's been on my heart for quite some time and something I've been uh, thinking about is something that I work with and I want to share that experience with you, how God is dealing with all of this all the way as a believer in Christ. So, the topic of this uh, teaching is the believer's status. The believer's status. And I uh, put a kind of a little bit of a parenthesis there, which is the upgrade of the cross. So, whatever status you have as a believer is called C. The cross. So, the upgrade of the cross. As soon as Jesus Christ died, there was a change in every believer. So we're going to walk ourselves through that today to see what the believer's status is. Now, status, as we all know, is something that describes who you are. For example, if you are filling a form, probably a job uh, form, employment form, there's going, to, there's going to be a place where it's going to say, Status. We have different kind of status. We either going to be like marriage status, financial status, economic status, and all of the above. Now, we also have a spiritual state. Now, it is our responsibility to know what our status is in life as a Christian. Just the way you know who you are physically, naturally. I know if I'm married, I know if I'm single. I need to fill it down there stating what status I am. What economic status do I occupy in life? Am I in the very rich? Am I in the middle class? Am I in the very low or down below? So that is what we know physically. And unfortunately, most believers are still very, very ignorant of who they really are in Christ. And my prayer this evening, as this word gets to you, that it will quicken us and actually enrich us to know more about who we are. And for those of us that already know who we are, it's going to be like a reminder, okay? No, sometimes we forget a lot of things. Paul said in, uh, I think it should be in Philippians, he said, it's not grievous for me to tell you these things over and over again. So, please bear with me for those of us that already know all of these things. God will always give you something fresh out of it. Amen. Now, I'm going to take my reading from Ephesians chapter 1. I'll read from 15 to 18. But where I'm going to really dwell on is going to be from 17 to 18. Now, he says, Ephesians chapter 1, verse... 15. He said, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ 
and your love for God's people everywhere. I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give to you spiritual wisdom and insight. I'm going to say that again. To give to you spiritual wisdom and insight. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability or the application of what you know, knowledge. Wisdom is the application. You are applying what you have gathered over through experience, probably reading or studying, and then you are able to put it into practice. So that is what wisdom is. So if you have all of the knowledge and you are not putting them into practice, it is not wisdom. Then insight. Insight is the ability to understand, to know how to manipulate things. There's a reason I'm actually telling all of this. Being able to put things together I might have the knowledge of some stuff, but yet I don't have. I might just know, but I might not know how to really operate it. So that is what insight is all about. So Paul was saying that there are two things I actually pray that you have. They are not just natural wisdom. These are spiritual wisdom and spiritual insight to be able to know how to confront things. How to maneuver things. Even when the enemy comes to you, you already have an understanding on what to do. You are not nervous. You are not actually seeking to know anymore. But you are already in a place where you can handle those things. Those are what insight and understanding. So Paul was telling the people who are already Christians. Remember, he's talking to a church. He said, my prayer as, as of now is for you to be grounded with wisdom. Amen. So I just wanted to just stress that. It says, so that you might grow in the knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Now, he used the word there. I like that word, which uh, the New Living Translation, you said, your heart will be flooded. Uh, the first time I went to a stadium, I saw the lights that they use over there. Similar to what we have right now, but brighter. That is the description. He said, I want your heart to be flooded with some amount of light that is unexpressible. And with that light, you will be able to gain insight, which is also understanding, with confidence. So now, when you have those understanding, or you have that understanding of the underlying principles of God's word, you will walk in confidence and in hope. And then you will be able to walk in total authority as regarding your inheritance in Christ. I'm trying to break that scripture down so that we know where we come from. I'm laying, laying a foundation right now. So, you need wisdom and insight so that your heart, your mind will be flooded with understanding so that you can walk in hope. When the enemy is coming your way, when the enemy is suggesting things to you, there is a place where you are grounded and rooted and you can stand in confidence based on the revelation of your status in Christ. And then you will begin to speak. There is a lot of emphasis on speaking in this place. A lot of emphasis on speaking. If you don't speak, nothing will happen. If you don't know, you will not speak. 
if you don't understand what you're speaking, <laughs> funny enough, the devil knows. <clears throat> yeah, we'll get to that. So, now, I, I wrote down here, you can write it down. It said, your place, your position or situation in life depends on the knowledge or ignorance of your status in life. If you don't know who you are, you're going to walk anyhow. There's a place in the scripture, I think in Proverbs, it said, it's a sorry part in life to see princes walking on barefoot and a slave riding on what? What, what is the difference between them? One is knowledge, the other one is what? Ignorance. It's just like seeing the president walking barefooted along the street with no entourage, not, nothing, and then it's not because he wants to be like that, it's because he's ignorant of who he, was, he is, rather, as the president of Nigeria, uh, of, sorry, beg your pardon. Of the United States of America. Don't worry. I'm going somewhere. So if you're walking confidently as a Christian, it is hinged on the fact of your understanding of who you are as a Christian. I also like, uh, there are so many Christians that are living that kind of life. Sorry to say, very, very ignorant of who they are. They are Christian, born again. And I want to say this. Because of the knowledge of your status in life, that is what actually separates Christians or divides Christians into categories. You see some that are working in victory. You see some that are really struggling. And then you see some that are really under the oppression of the enemy. All of those things are hinged on the knowledge of their status or spiritual status in Christ. Amen. So, when you see people like uh, working in that way, you see them in different categories. I always say that there are different categories of Christians. So, just know that everything is hinged on. Let me just give you an example. Uh, this is a true story that happened, one happened during the coronavirus. There was a, a friend of ours, she's like a mother also to my, my wife. She went to Nigeria before the, the pandemic started. And then, she recently became a citizen of the United States of America. So, as soon as it started, before it spread all over the world, the United States sent uh, a jet or a plane down to Nigeria and said, all United States citizens should go register in the embassy with your proof of citizenship and everything. And everyone that got a hint of that information, ran, that wanted to leave Nigeria at that particular point in time, <laughs> ran to the embassy. They said, you don't have to pay anything. I'm telling you, you say, probably said they can pay later on, but just get, uh, uh, register for it, and then that's it. And she went down there, because she knows she is what? A citizen. Just imagine some of the citizens that were in that country, you know, all around the world, that did not get to know about such a development. What's going to happen to them? They're going to stay back. Knowledge of who they are. They know who they are and they also have what? Adequate information. Now, there's another one. This happened, re- happened recently. I think it, sh- it was uh, early this year. There's one activist also in Nigeria. Very, he contested as, uh, as a president and never won. But he's always fighting against the present uh, power that be. So, he was arrested and probably in prison for close to six months. And uh, when we were looking at the trend, there were a lot of protests, Nigerian youth and all of those stuff. Release this guy, release Harawi, blah, 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 blah. Sorry, I hope they are not listening over there. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the government of that country did not listen to those people. The guy was languishing in, 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 in the prison for months. 
no connection with the family, no connection with anyone. Even the wife could not get close to to him because that was how it was. Then later on, it was dawned on the wife that this young man is a citizen of the United States of America. And she wrote a letter, a petition, telling the embassy that so-and-so person is being held captive for doing so-so-and-so in Nigeria. And you know what the Americans stand for. And then there was a dialogue between them and the power that be. Now, the Nigerian people over there have been protesting for his release for months. But it only took weeks for them to release him as soon as the United States intervened. Hello. Can you see the difference between those two? Not until the wife discovered, hello, there are some rights that I have as a United States citizen. I just want to let you guys know, if you don't know how powerful this country is, please, (laughs) you need to live outside this country for once and then you know how powerful. Now, I want you to know the force that is backing you up. The spiritual force that is backing you up. Some of us are just like that man's wife that has been languishing and suffering over the months and did not use the appropriate tools that she has and that that man has. Not until she she came to the realization of who that man really is. A United States citizen. You cannot keep that man. How can you oppress such a person? There is something. Now, I, I'm not trying to bring down my control. When, when someone hears that, you are in the U.S., it's like, <laughs> yeah. No, uh, this, is, this is the way I described it when I was back home. No, I told my siblings, I was shared with my wife, I said, uh, I came from an interior to Lagos, and I said that after Lagos, I will go abroad. Abroad could be any European country. I say, but when you get to the United States, the next place after the United States is heaven. (laughs) That, no. I'm just letting you know how big and powerful this country is. But I want to let you know that what is backing you up right now is more forceful and powerful than this earthly domain which we call the United States. Not until you realize who you are I'm sorry to say you're going to, you're going to operate under or like a mean man. That is what the scripture said in Psalm. I can't remember. I think it should be Psalm 86. It's not there. Don't worry. It said, Ye are gods, the sons of the Most High. He said, But you die like ordinary, mean. No. If you want to put it in a colloquial language, you die like a chicken. Yeah, that's what he's saying. Not until you come to the place of the full realization of who you are in Christ. You're not going to live that kingly life that is expected of you. And that is what Paul was praying earnestly for the church. Even now, that we will come to that place of understanding the spiritual inheritance which we have in Ephesians chapter 1 verse I think 3 or 2 said Ye have, you have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places it's one of my best scriptures in life I quote that scripture I try to draw the supernatural into the earthly realm to show that it will come to manifestation if you don't draw it down if you don't speak like what Pastor Roy just said, if you don't send your angels into, uh, to do some things for you, they'll be there. I remember a message my wife preached so many years ago back home. She said, all of you, say most, sorry, not all of you, say most of us, our angels are lying dormant. She said there are some people whose angels are just walking the traffic between heaven and, and earth is like, because they are speaking words and they are sending the angels to do things. Why some people, they are just sleeping. <gasps> What's happened to you, man? This minister is not using it. Man, the guy is just there complaining. And the, the truth is this. If your angel is not working, there is the opposite working. Either one of the two is working. Pastor will always say that well, there is no idle words. If you speak life, there is a life-giving force to infest it. If you speak death, 
there is a debt given first that is also there to enforce whatever you are saying. And it will come to fruition. And don't complain. Know who you are, your status. Right now in my house, we really try not to put idle, to say idle words. We, are, we always, uh, like my wife and I, we are always on ourselves. That was an idle word you just said. Oh God, forgive me. Now, it might sound funny, but that's the truth. We take it as a point of duty to say, that was an idle word. Oh, you just said something. Because if you have the understanding, you have the insight that someone is going to take these things and help you play it out, whether you, you met it or not. Amen. So, now, I have dwelt on that. This is just like an opening. I'll soon I'll be closing. I just want us to understand as Christians that you can either shine or your light can be dimmed. Know who you are. Now, I try to, to put this out in different translations, but I really can't do that because I've actually explained all of that right now. Now, in Hosea, or Jose, right? I think so. Uh, I'm putting it in a Spanish form. Uh, Jose chapter 4, verse 6. Uh, God was lamenting and was talking to his people. You can put that up. I think it's there. Yes. It says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I use the amplified version there to explain some things to us. It said, My people are destroyed. There's a translation that says, Perish. And then the message translation says, Ruin. One thing I discovered when I was just doing a study on this word, the word there, the root word, says something to decay. You know, when they use the word destroy, it's like a forceful thing that, that, it, that just happened like a, a building collapsing at once. Yes, that's true of that scripture. But when you look at it very crit- critically, it's also talking about something that is just dying gradually. Dying gradually. The person is all the thing is dying without really taking note of it. Or it is not conspicuous. It is just happening. And then until eventually there is a total breakdown. And that is what is happening to some Christians. I pray it is not what is happening here to anyone. People are just losing it gradually, little by little. And that is how the Bible also says, precept by precept, you gain more understanding. The devil is also doing it little by little. Oh, this does not count right now. Deterioration. And look at what he said. He said, he said, he said they, because they have rejected knowledge, and in the, in the King, in the Amplified, that knowledge is, can you take it back to Amplified? He said, that knowledge is my law. And that law is where my will is revealed. Now, because you don't know the law and you don't know his will concerning you and concerning a particular situation which you are in, it begins to break you down. Little by little. And he said, you are a priestly nation. And I took note of that word. I highlighted it. A priestly nation. Can we remember what it said in First Peter chapter one, chapter two, verse nine? It said, "You are what? A chosen generation and a kingly priest." A, what, uh, what, what the royal priesthood means is a kingly priest. So now, right now, we are priests. And what is the assignment or the function of a priest? is to actually interpret the law to the people. What it means. The undertone. People that are supposed to be knowledgeable are rejecting God's will. And what was their, their expected end? Destruction. They were just going gradually until it became conspicuous and known to everyone that this person is already a living dead. And he said, I will reject you. What am I trying to bring that? If you don't know the will of God, his perfect will concerning you, you don't understand it, you don't have insight, you don't know how to use the word to to maneuver your way through circumstances. 
When I say maneuver, I'm talking about you understanding it and then taking a stand concerning, concerning that situation and knowing what God has said concerning that situation. The devil will just be pinching you and then taking some stuff off your body and then, and that's it. Until it comes to an end. Now, look at what Jesus Christ said to, to portray this, uh, this point. In John 10.10, 10, he said something. He said, I like the, he said the tip comment not to steal but to kill, to destroy. But I, I love this translation. The NLT version says this way. He said, the thief's purpose Purpose. Take note of that one. Purpose. Then when you go back to Jesus Christ's own description of himself, he also used the same word. My word, purpose. No, some of, some of us, we try to underplay Satan. Let me give you one thing. I'll explain the scripture. I'll give you, t- uh, sorry, three steps of how the devil works. The devil won is organized. Believe it, please do. He is very organized. Two, he is systematic. If he is not, Paul will not say, we are not ignorant of his wise. <laughs> it takes someone that is systematic and wise to be tricky. I was listening to a preacher this morning. Was it this morning or yesterday? He said when they were, they, they were describing, when, when Ezekiel was describing Lucifer, he said he, he used the description of Daniel because at that time he said Daniel was the wisest man in his time. He said you are a little bit wiser than Daniel. That was the description of what Lucifer. I'm not glorifying him, but I'm just letting you know who he is. He's not really as dumb as you think he is. He is organized, systematic, he uses strategies, and then lastly, he is purposeful. That is what Jesus said. He said the purpose of the thief is one. I use the word systematic one. He's not just going to destroy that person. He's not just going to to kill that person. First of all, he wants to steal from you. What is he trying to steal from you? The knowledge of God's will. Do you still remember the story of the parable of the sower? Or, or the, the parable of the sower story? Now, remember the first seed that fell on the wayside was those people that the enemy stole what? The word of the Lord from them. So the devil knows that if he can steal God's word from you, you are done for. What happened to those people? He just waited. So the devil is so systematic and Jesus knows his strategy and he told us, first of all, he tries to steal from you. And then when he steals from you, he goes further to do what? To kill. He has taken the word which is supposed to give you the energy the stamina to walk against him and he has taken that away from you, the next thing he's going to do is to gradually, he might not take everything from you, he's going to make some words, oh, not really, can. oh, really? Like what pastor would say, really? Did God really say that? That only works for so-so and so. Uh, I think for Pastor Mike and uh, Pastor Larry, uh, me, I think I'm still very, very down here. Oh, it was for He's deceiving you right now and he's stealing that word and he will not let that word find a root in your heart because you have actually categorized the people that that word is meant for. Sorry to say, I've been in that position too. Backbiters. Oh, I don't backbite, so that word is not for me. Steal. Oh, I don't steal from people. Oh, I think that is from my brother that did. Now, you are already saving the word of God and then making it of no effect in your life. And it will not work. The devil is what? Stealing from us. He's so deceitful. He makes things that are so trivial. I talked about the, force, the little forces that spoils the vine. 
Man, the Bible has so many descriptions for little things that might hurt us. Little things. May God help us in Jesus' name. So, he steals and then he starts killing. Then the last point is the big one that is destroyed. That is, that the word destroyed there means for, you to, for that person to crumble like a big effect. Because I tried to look at some words to know the difference between it. Now, this is how Jesus Christ described it in, uh, I think it should be in Mark, when he was talking about, when people said he was casting out devils with the power of what? Belia. And he said something. He said, a house that is divided against himself cannot stand. He said, how can you get into the house of a, of a strong man without what? Binding him before you do what? You spoil his goods or you spoil his house. Now, that is, you can see the systematic way God is describing how someone can be defeated. And that is how the devil works. First of all, he steals from you. And once he's stealing from you, he's binding you. And once he's binding you, he's killing. And then when you become so powerless, when that person becomes so powerless, then that is when he begins to plunder. Touch your finance. It's touching your health. It's touching your children. That is the fury doubt of the enemy being thrown in different places because there is no place for, uh, I, let me use the word, firm foundation to stand on, which is the word of God. So, I'm trying to establish all of these things so that we know how we need to understand who we are in Christ. I'm so grateful to God that he has given us the manual for life. The manual for life to help us, to give us the right footing. That's why I don't play with reading of the scripture. I was just talking to my wife, and I said, it's like I've not read the Bible. I, didn't, I was doing so much assignment and I neglected the scripture for like, uh, I, don't, can't believe, I don't want to tell you, please. I, I did. I won't tell you how long. <laughs> it hurts me. I, was, I, I said, I feel so empty. I'm, that was just the way I felt. It's not even up to like three days anyways. But there was a big hole in my heart. There was this emptiness. I, and I told her, that was two days ago, I said, I have not heard from God. Even if, even if I was studying for this, but there was this, there's this, there's this uh, uh, personal relationship that I have with him that I, 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 I hear from him. I said, I have not really hear him speak. And when I cried out to him that morning, he gave me a word. He gave me a word and I shared it with her. Now, I, ju- I, I, I don't want to give that devil that little loophole because of academics. Or, it is very necessary. But uh, Job said something. He said, I have esteemed your word more than my necessary food. Not until you begin to see yourself as Job saw himself with God. Things like this, not, not praying for a day or two days, not studying the word for a day or two days, will become ordinary. And the devil is doing what? Then he becomes a weak. He becomes a weak. He must. You are still cool with it. And then he, when he saw that you are really, really kind of far away, then he throws something. For you know what is happening. Then that is when you start drawing resources, external resources, not internal resources. I'm not saying it is bad. You start calling all the prayer warriors around. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. I'm not stable. But there is a place where you can get yourself grounded. Don't let the enemy steal. And don't let him go further into killing. And when it comes to the place of destruction, hmm. But thank God he can still restore. But I don't want you to get to that place. I don't want, I don't want to get to that place. Amen. Now, I, uh, I don't intend finishing this message today. I did not plan to. But I will give as much as I can. Now, first of all, what is the believer's status? Now, the understanding of your status will help you to walk confidently in life. As believers in Christ, it is expected of us to live with the consciousness of all our status and pri- sorry, our privileged status. 
You have to know it. There are tons of it. I'm just going to give. I have three down here, but probably if I'm able to give one or two, I'll be fine. And the pastor has already preached part of it, and I told him that. And he said, okay, just... But we'll still talk about it. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Very popular scripture. Very popular. It's one of the scriptures I can quote. As, uh, when I was uh, part of the youth, that's one of the, the, uh, the, the, the verses our youth president used to tell us. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He made us to understand that scripture. <laughs> so when we are meeting every, every Sunday after, that is what he will say. First Corinthians, sorry, Second Corinthians 5.17. So it reads, he said, if any man be in Christ, you are what? A new creature. Now, the word new is new. I want to behave like pastor today. New means what? New. And I added here, new does not mean to renovate. New does not mean to repair. New does not mean to replace. God did not replace your spiritual nature. He did not just, okay, let me, this heart is a little bit different. Let me put this heart here and then, no, no. He did not renovate you. He didn't bring something from this place and this place and then put it together and then that's renovation. No. Brand new is brand new. You are new. Your spirit is what? New. You are a new creature. Old things. Who? I don't want to get theological about this. Your past is gone. The only person that can bring the past back is you. But according to Jesus, according to your redemptive rights, your past is gone. It's passed away. And I tried to bring some verses to portray this. Jesus, God was telling them, okay, this is my standing with you right now. He said, just as the east is far from what? He said, so have I taken what? Bible scholars. Okay, now, okay, you see, you're not reading. So have I taken your sin far, far. How many of us can connect the west and the east together? They are like two parallel lines that can never meet. They are far away from there. They are from it. So, that is how it is. Your old nature and your new nature are far apart. They can never meet. And don't try as much as possible as you can to bring it back. Don't. That is one of the ways the enemy tries to steal from us, trying to bring back our past. Did God really, really say that? Same practice he used for Eve. Did God really say? Now, another scripture is uh, uh, Titus. Please, can you put uh, Titus 3, chapter uh, verse 5. Titus, thank you very much. He said, not by works of righteousness. That righteousness he's talking about is your self-righteousness not the righteousness that is imputed by God to you. It says it's not by works of righteousness, what you have done, but according to his mercies, he has saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of your spirit. It is the same root word which he has in Ezekiel, which he said, a new heart will I give to you. He said, I will take the heart of flesh. He said, I'm going to give you my own spirit. And Pastor, we always make emphasis. He said it is the capital S. So, God did not renovate your spirit. He actually placed His own spirit. That is why you can bear witness. There's a spirit that bears witness with your spirit that says you are a child of God, and it is it's that spirit of God that is telling you, that is bearing that witness. That don't listen to the enemy. You are a child of God. So, it is that renewing spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. And the word regeneration, actually, the root word for regeneration is Genesis. So what Paul is saying that, in, in essence is that God actually brought you out 
from darkness and he brought you to the actual state which he actually intended the world and man to be. That is back in Genesis, before the fall of man. You get what I'm saying? So, when God actually saved us, when he made us a new creature, he brought us back to Eden, the state of Eden. Purity. State of fellowship, where man can actually have one-on-one fellowship with what? With God. So, now, that is what he did. If any man is in Christ, he has that state or well-being of being in that, uh, let me use the word, the first Adamic nature that was not defied, which is Christ-like. Amen? So, now, don't let the enemy let you know that whatsoever you have done is not, it cannot, let, let me, whatever you have done cannot be forgiven. Now, let me go to the next one. Just take it the way the word of God said you are new. Every one of us in this house, we are brand new. I, rem- I remember what the pastor said. He said, you did not have a yesterday. In Christ. In man, you do. In your thinking, you do, except you become what? Renewed in your, in your thinking. But in Christ, and when you begin to think like Christ, you don't have a yesterday. Because you are new. Number two, you are justified in Christ. I always use the word in Christ. Nothing around this topic is outside Christ. You have been justified. You are righteous. Another, another synonym for justified is being righteous. A clean and holy state. With the standard of God, not with the standard of man. When Pastor was preaching this message about two weeks ago, he was concluding, I was sitting down and he said, Who is righteous? I quickly raised up my hand. And most of us, we are just there. And he saw it and said, Oh, the devil is deceiving you. Can I tell you something? Before I even come into church to preach, I'm not trying to make this up. The devil said I was not fit. He's constantly telling everyone, me inclusive, you are not, you know what? I have counter words. That I am too grounded for him to come in and start telling me all of those things. First of all, I learned something from a deaconess back in Nigeria. She said when the devil is talking to him, talking to her that way, he said she would first of all tell the devil, it is a family affair. <laughs> Learn that today. That is what I, I, that is the first thing. That it is what a family affair. It is between me and God, the Godhead. There is a mediator. And, and the Bible said, it said, whenever I see the blood, I will pass over. I don't want to go into that right now. It said, Jesus Christ has become our Passover lamb. Now, God sees Jesus and then he passes over you. He, that passes, passes over is a coverage. It was, not the, it was not God that destroyed. God actually passed over the people. And the angel of death went and could not kill them because of the covering. So I tell the devil, this is a family affair and there is a mediator that is, that is covering me. So whenever the devil is telling you, you are not fit, I am justified. I don't see righteousness. I know I have the righteousness of God. If you are expecting to see righteousness in me, you are not going to see it in anyone. Righteousness is a thing that you wear. It's a spiritual thing. And God imputes into to you as a result of you believing and trusting in Jesus. If you look at the scripture, you are going to see a lot of garments that have been worn. In the days of the Israelites, they have sackcloth, a form of garment. That's when they are money. All of those garments, they mean different things. I'm not going to go into that. But there's also the garment of righteousness. And that is what we are wearing in this dispensation. The devil knows it, he sees it, and he tries to take you away from that place. And it is only you that will allow him. He's not able to take it from you. He's going to steal the knowledge of who you are about your righteousness and make you feel as if you're nothing that God cannot impute. Please go and read Romans 4. Go read Romans 4. He's going to tell you how Abraham, 
got it. And he actually talked about people walking and people that is not walking. He said, if a, he said, if you walk and they are, you are paid, it's no longer grace because you actually worked for it. But when you not do something, like just believe in and someone gives it to you. Oh my God, please, please, please go read that. It's powerful. I did. And we just re- read the book of Romans anyway. <laughs> We're still on it. There are so many things that are, in, that are embedded in God's word that is going to give you some kind of spiritual stamina to stand <laughs> take it easy <laughs> to stand against the enemy and people will be wondering is it the same God we are serving yes it is but it's your knowledge of, who, of the God you are serving that is putting you on a solid ground and a faith foundation amen okay. uh, please justified means to be justified in our, I think it should be Romans. I'm going to close with this. I'll leave the other one for next time. Justification is not pardoned. Take note of that. They sound the same, but they are not synonym. Justification is not what? Pardon. Jesus or God did not pardon you. To pardon is to forgive. For those of us that are law, I checked it, but the sin is still remembered. They can pick it up. There are some privileges that a, a person that is pardoned in the United States cannot have, even though he's free. He's still guilty of that sin, but they just pardon. Presidential pardon, blah, blah, blah. Oh, because of what he has done. That is what self-righteousness is all about. They give him a pardon. Justification is being forgiven and your sin not remembered anymore. Did we get that? So, because I, I, I actually heard a man, uh, a, a, preach, a preacher saying that you have been pardoned. No, we were not pardoned. We were not. We were justified. Free and forgiven. If the enemy is trying to bring back the past event that has happened in your life, it is long gone. Now, let me prove that to you. Go to Colossians. Chapter 2. Sorry, yeah. I think it should be Colossians, yeah. Read chapter, uh, can you put chapter 2, 13 to 15? If that's all I say, I'm Okay. He said, you being dead in your trespasses and, unsec- and the uncircumcision of the flesh, he has made alive or quickened together with him, having given, forgiven you all your trespasses. Go ahead. Having wiped <laughs> out the handwriting of all requirements. That was against us. And when he did that, he said he made it. So, God actually blotted everything out. The devil cannot bring it out. So, if the devil is bringing anything out, let remind him of this scripture. I have been forgiven. I am justified. And God doesn't remember anything. There are scriptures to, 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 for you to stand on. Amen. So don't let the enemy to deceive you. Don't let the enemy to bring what you did 20 years ago. There is this cliche, psychological cliche that is going on. Oh, I can't forgive myself. Or someone will tell you, forgive yourself. If there is no place in the Bible. I still stand to be corrected. I've been searching for that. I've used corkedance online, whatsoever it is, to check for forgiving yourself. The flesh will not forgive you. The only thing you can do to the flesh is to do what? Put it off other subjection. Kill it. The, dev, the, the, the flesh will always whisper. We will always shout. Sometimes it doesn't even whisper. It's shouting. You did this. You cannot get over this. And someone is coming to tell you to forgive yourself. It's not going to happen. Dr. Jeremiah said something. He said the very moment you begin to establish your own self-righteousness, it means that you are putting the righteousness of God 
of known effect in your life. He said there is no way in this world that your standard can be higher than that of God. So when you say you cannot forgive yourself, you are invariably saying that your standard is higher than God's standard. And this is how God described your righteousness. He said your righteousness is like a filthy rag. Isaiah saw himself in the presence of God and he said, man, I'm, I'm, I'm undone. I pray God should just give us the spirit of insight, as Paul said, so that we might know who we are. The Bible said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. And there's another scripture that said, there is, therefore, now, no condemnation. Can everyone say with me, there is, Therefore, now. You say the word again. Now. If we can use the evil now faith, faith, why can't we use the evil now no condemnation? I'll continue from there when I have the time. Can we just rise on our feet? God has given us everything. That's what Peter said. He said, Everything that pertains to life and godliness, he has given it to us. And we need to walk in them. We need to know who we are in Christ. And I want to do this. I just want you to just raise up your hand and make this both confession of faith. I am the righteousness of God. I am a new creature. All things are passed away. I am brand new. And God is my righteousness. I am justified because of the work of Christ on the cross. Sin has no power over me. I reign with Christ. And I reign in Him. In Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless His word. God bless you. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you.